with prayer. Father, we thank you and how we need godly wisdom. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will fill us with your wisdom, Lord. Father, as we open up the Bible, it's just a sobering thing. We need your word. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would be edified, built up But what we find here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the first number of chapters, in the first series of chapters in Proverbs, you have some long exhortations about certain subjects. There were a series of them about running from the evil woman or the evil man. We saw the woman coming on to the man with flattery. Flattery is the food of fools and men crave it. Carnal men crave flattery. Carnal women crave attention. People are lured into ungodly relationships and this is what we've been reading about. Uh, We also saw just this uh, and this happens so much in the church how the woman was able to seduce the man coming across as spiritual. She said, I've done my peace offerings. Come over to my house. A peace offering in the Bible was fellowship with God. It is the equivalent of saying, I've had my devotion time. There are also some long exhortations on laziness in the first six, seven chapters. But mostly what you see are long exhortations on the importance of wisdom. Go for godly wisdom. Seek after godly wisdom. You know, one of the things that you sort of have to parse out in your mind with the Proverbs is that there is, uh, you know, the word wisdom is often used. We often use the word wisdom. And a lot of what we read in the Proverbs would be wisdom that you would find right in the world. A lot of times I believe it has been copied or taken from the Bible, but you'll find it in the, wor- in the world. Hard work, stealing, lying. A lot of these Proverbs are about hard work, stealing, and lying. Well, the world believes uh, the same thing, but supremely this is about when you read about wisdom here, Chapter 8, verse 8, does not wisdom, the verse 1 rather, does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice. She takes her stand on the hilltop of the high hill besides the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of uh, the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. You, O simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. This kind of wisdom, it's the godly wisdom. Yes, sometimes godly wisdom and worldly wisdom um, overlap, but there is a great distinction with godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is found in the Word of God, and so sometimes there's no overlap whatsoever. Godly wisdom, sex is okay, provided that 
sex is okay provided that it is in a, a marriage, in the context of a marriage, a one-woman, one-man marriage. And the world says sex is okay as long as you're in a committed relationship and you have uh, protected sex. So there's very little of all overlap there. Godly wisdom, punishing with spanking is a prudent thing. Worldly wisdom, punishing with spanking is a bad thing. Godly wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your path. Worldly wisdom, and you hear this all the time, trust your instinct, trust your intelligence, trust your sense of fairness and justice. Godly wisdom, give God the first fruits of your increase. And the world just thinks that's stark raving, mad to do something like that. But see, there's no overlap there. Now, sometimes there is overlap, and we'll see that um, uh, here in uh, the Proverbs. But uh, supremely, this uh, Proverbs is about godly wisdom. Colossians 2.3 says, In him, in Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, supremely, Jesus is the source. He is wisdom. A person who knows Jesus is the most in- intelligent person on the face of the earth. Yeah, it's amazing to me sometimes you will meet someone with a PhD from MIT. But when it comes to rich, godly, spiritual wisdom, they're idiots. They, they, they are clueless. They have just so much knowledge. But they have so little wisdom, godly wisdom. And so uh, here in... Uh, Chapters 8 and 9, we have a couple, though, more longer exhortations just about the importance of seeking godly wisdom. And then in chapter 10, we will start getting into the problems which everyone knows and loves so much, those short, pithy sayings that are sort of packed with with wisdom, but each one is separate from the other. So let's start, though, here and in, in, uh, wrap up in chapters 8 and 9, which are really nine chapters of an introduction, in a way, to the rest of the Proverbs. Verse 5 says, O oh, you simple ones, understand prudence. O oh, you fools, be of an understanding heart. The first step to attaining godly wisdom is to understand that you need it. To say to yourself, I am a fool. I need this. I need this. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Listen, verse 8. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse or twisted or coarse is in them. The words of my mouth are with righteousness. In other words, you don't need to buttress your words with profanity. You don't need to do that. In in, in Ephesians, it speaks specifically, let no coarse word be on your mouth. Profanity. 
there's a, really a sermon in and of itself just about Christians and the use of profanity. It should have no place whatsoever on our lips. Profanity destroys sexuality. It cheapens it. It has all kinds of profane words associated with sex and sexuality. And what it does, it cheapens it. And so no wonder when people have sex, they have a, a very shallow view of what sex is because they've been using profane words to define sex so much. Profane words, uh, it debases the human body. Because we have all these profane words for body parts. Well, that's just debasing of God's sacred, the body that he created. It deflates the opportunity to witness. You know, you will be so much more effective in your witnessing at work if you never, ever, ever curse or cuss or whatever the word is, ever. You'll have so much credibility. People may mock you, but they will see you as different. They'll see you as a light. And probably the most significant, profanity desensitizes people to the eternal destiny. Hell and damn. Christians shouldn't be using the words hell and damn. I remember having a long conversation with Guillermo, who's, who leads the witnessing teams. It's, it's like we use hell because the Bible, the word hell is in the Bible, but it's so easily misunderstood. It's getting to the point where I would almost prefer rather than hell, you're going to suffer torment eternally because hell has been so cheapened and it's like a cuss word now. I'd like to know why all of a sudden the word crap is used in the body of Christ all the time. Since when is the word crap okay? But I hear it, I hear Christians use it all the time. I have a question for you. Would you put the word crap in your wedding vows? I love the crap out of you. I, I don't think you would. I don't think you would use it in prayer uh, with with the Lord. And, and, and look, this is an opportunity for us to be pristine. And it's words like that on the fringe. We just need to do away with them completely. It, it, it so bolsters our credibility. And you know, this is not about legalism. You want to go out and curse, you go out and curse. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But you're sinning against grace when you do so. It's not a law prohibits you from using the word crap, hell, or damn. But the Lord does have a, a life for us. And it's a life where we're shining like stars. Verse 10, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Skip down to verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now that's interesting. We've talked a lot about the fear of the Lord in the last couple of months. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Evil. Yes, the fear of the Lord is to have just this 
really blazing reverence for the Lord. But it's also hating evil. It's hating pride. It's hating arrogance. Not hating the person, but hating the sin. It's hating evil. Pride. Verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. We're talking about godly wisdom. Now, in the King James Version, it says, those who seek me early will find me. So important to seek the Lord early. And when our minds are clear and they haven't been cluttered up. It's also important to seek the, 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 the Lord early in life and get your kids in the practice of seeking the Lord early. After the age, I've heard, I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but I've heard of after the age of 35, the odds of someone becoming born again are 1 in 50,000. After 45, it's 1 in 300,000. After 75, it's 1 in 700,000. Why is that? It's not because these people are getting wiser. They're getting stupider. They're getting dumber. It's because their hearts are hardening. That's why. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord early, early in life. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. And Solomon is saying this has got to be true. We skip down to verse 32. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not disdain it. Again, this long exhortation about the importance of seeking godly wisdom. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. And whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And those who hate me love death. In chapter 9, this exhortation continues. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the uh, city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So here it's just so important that you have a desire, a desire for wisdom. Verse 7, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man harms himself. Be careful when you correct a scoffer. I think somewhere else in the Proverbs it says it's like you know trying to pull a dog by their ear. And you're just going to get bitten. Now Jesus says, do not cast your pearls to swine. I personally believe, it's a little pet peeve of mine, that that's one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible 
people say, well, that means you're not supposed to share with a like a, a, a person who is just going to mock you. I don't think that's what it's talking about. There's nothing like that in the Sermon on the Mount. I believe that the that when Jesus says, don't cast your pearl to swine, he's just talking about, the whole thing is about, the, the you know, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees and how they're hypocrites. And he's like, don't give your life, don't give your pearl to a Pharisee. Don't put yourself under someone who's just going to crush your life. That said, there is this concept in the Bible that you do have to have discernment, you know, who you correct and even who you witness to. I do know this, that if we're never supposed to share with someone who we think is just going to mock us, then why did Paul continually do that throughout his entire ministry? Because wherever he went, he was getting beat up and, and, and things like that. And sometimes the people beating you up are the people uh, that eventually come to the Lord as Paul was himself. But you do need to be careful. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. A lot of wh- why do we correct a scoffer? Why do we do that? Why do we correct a mocker? It's our pride so often. It's our pride. We feel like, you know, we got to get some word in. We got to show them who's right. I'm saying don't do that. Verse 8 says rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Now, I did talk about this this morning as well. When someone rebukes you, do you bite them? Do you harm them? Are you sorely displeased with them like King Ahab was when he was rebuked? Or do you love them? Verse 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've just, uh, we've just read what the fear of the Lord is. It's, it's hating sin. So why do you hate sin? Why do you hate sin? Or how, can, how are we stirred up into hating sin? Well, you look at the bloody cross. That's what sin has done. See the pain of sin here. Do you laugh at a joke about a guy cheating on his wife? You know, I don't see how anyone who has ever experienced personally the, the, the pain of what adultery does Maybe the better way to put it is anyone who's experienced the pain of what adultery does doesn't laugh at a joke about adultery. I mean, everyone is harmed when there's adultery. And yet you, you, you hear in sort of the talk shows, the sitcoms, you know, some guy who goes around cheating on his wife. Oh, it's such a funny thing. That's not fearing God. When you laugh at a joke like that, that's not fearing God. When someone tells a joke about 
a drunk or some guy, oh, yeah, the other day we got so wasted, man, you know, <laughs> suck down 24 brews, <laughs> you know, but, but anyone who has ever experienced life with an alcoholic is not going to laugh at that. So why should we? We don't fear God if we are laughing at sin. Never, ever glorify sin in your own life. You know, before I was saved, oh man, you know, we used to go around and pick up chicks, whatever. No, that's glorifying sin. And sometimes you hear people telling their own testimony. And what it is, it's glorifying sin. That's not fearing God. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, by who? By wisdom, godly wisdom. Your days will be multiplied. Your years of life will be added to you. We've already talked about how healthy a life with godly wisdom, uh, a a life that is characterized by, by godly wisdom is. It's just healthy. You know, some of these, you know, cultures that have picked up godly wisdom I think of the Japanese. A lot of their, you know, the, the Japanese have, have taken some of the godly wisdom and just made almost a religion out of wisdom, and they live a long life just by borrowing from it. If you are wise, verse 12, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he, referring to who? The one who turns towards her does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. So once again, you see this theme throughout the Proverbs of the danger of sexual immorality. It's amazing how successful the world has has been at inserting and incorporating sexual immorality into basically the marketing of virtually everything in this country. And it no wonder First John says the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. There's just something demonic about that when you consider what the Word of God says and what is actually true about how destructive sexual immorality is. It says that her guests are in the depths of hell. Chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of her mother. In the King James, it says, is the heaviness of her mother. You know, there are few trials that, are more gut-wrenching 
than a child who is in rebellion. Very few. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. A child in rebellion. Just the heaviness that happens with it. I um, have a relative now who's my age and, you know, he's in and out of jail because of... um, He's in and out of jail because of uh, drunk driving and stuff. And his mom is going down and bailing him out. The woman is like 76 years old. This is what she's doing in her retirement. Husband passed away. Just the heaviness of uh, of now. And, and you talk to her and my heart uh, goes out so much for her. But yet there are few things that are more rewarding than a child who's walking with Jesus, who's serving the Lord. I shared this with you guys, uh, I think a few weeks ago, but K.P. O'Hannon, his ministry, uh, as a result of his ministry, 50,000 churches have started. 50,000, that's just mind-boggling in the 10... So the 1020 or 1040 window? 1040 window. And they asked him, so what do you consider your greatest success? He says, that's easy. Both my kids are walking with the Lord. They're serving Jesus. I know exactly what he's talking about. I would so much rather have my kids walking with the Lord than like the biggest crusade ministry and the body of Christ. I, so much. It's not even close. It is a wise son makes a glad father. It's not talking about a wise son, uh, son meaning someone who is so wise he you know, grows up and he's the president of a bank. CEOs are a dime a dozen. I could care less if my son or daughter becomes a CEO of a bank. Unless, of course, that's where God wanted them. Then that's exactly where I want them. This is talking about wise. It's talking about godly wisdom. A son with godly wisdom makes a glad father. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing but the righteous but righteousness delivers from death treasures of wickedness meaning you can have all the riches of, of the world and you're not even going to be the happier for it i i heard that ivan boski who he was like the the madoff of when of the 80s and he was worth like a billion dollars when he i i understand when he started uh ripping people off through insider trading and that type of thing. Treasures of the wickedness profit nothing. It's like he had a billion dollars but didn't profit him. He wanted more. But righteousness delivers from death. Verse 3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. You know, this is a wonderful verse to me because I like the spiritual application, although certainly the Bible has the physical application. Uh, Psalm 37 says, I've, David says, I've never seen a righteous person begging for bread. And that's true. Famish is talking about sort of starving. 
But God won't allow the righteous soul to famish. If you, as long as you continue to seek the Lord, He will water your soul. He will feed your soul. God doesn't allow the righteous soul to finish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent is rich. The hand of the diligent makes rich. I heard this quote from this guy, Louis Nitzer, who was a famous lawyer in the early 20th century, and he's, he's quoted as saying this. Every year I lecture to the law students at Yale and Harvard, and I always tell them, I will teach you one word. This one word will turn a dull mind into a bright mind. It'll turn a bright mind to a brilliant mind. This one word will turn a brilliant person into a steadfast person. This one word will open doors for you. It will roll out red carpets to you. It will connect you to the most beautiful and powerful people in the world. This word will give every person success. The word is work. W-O-R-K. And you see this throughout the book of Proverbs. This diligent work. I'm taking Creole from, I, I shared this morning, from 5 to 8 each night. And, oh, man, am I finding out. It's just all about diligence. I can't just show up there and think, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a pill, and I'm going to walk out of here and learn a language. No, it's diligence. You know, I think the same thing of the Word of God, too, that it, it, there's just no shortcuts. Again, the smartest people in the word, in the world, but when it comes to the Word of God, they can't speed read through the Bible, and, and even they can memorize the whole thing But in, in two weeks or whatever, but they're going to be stupid when it, when it comes to sort of understanding of it. And, you know, faith is not lazy, and that's where so many people misunderstand this. Faith is, is all about work. Faith is very diligent. That's what faith is. If you have a strong faith in God, you are going about and doing what he wants you to do diligently. And you're running the race and you're running hard. Faith without work is just presumption. You're just presuming on God. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who gathers in summer. Summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who car, uh, causes shame. And there, I love just applying the application of ministry here. You know, Jesus says, don't say four months and then the harvest. No, the harvest is, is it actually uses the word white, which means it's, it's ready now. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is 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 ready and as a pastor it's it's very very difficult to see people sleeping in a calling of their life the bible says he who gathers in summer is a wise son the bible says today is the day of salvation that's not only for the person who needs to be saved that's for the person who knew, needs to be Saving someone else, leading someone to the Lord. 
today is the day of salvation. Oh, that's for all the people who are unsaved. No, it's for you to go out into the harvest. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Daniel 12, 3. Mark this one down. This is a great verse. He who wins souls will shine forever and ever. Wow. Don't you want to shine forever and ever? Go out and win souls during the Boston Celtics series, you know, against L.A. I, I hope there's no L.A. fans in here. I, uh, that was just terrible. Do we have to disfellowship someone tonight? But, you know, seeing those stars, those golden stars in the Hollywood sidewalk, you know, that's the, sh- the world shining stars. But there is a star that will shine forever and ever. Praise the Lord. We won't have to experience the Celtics lo- losing in heaven. We won't care very much about that. Blessings are, verse 6, blessings are of the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed. I, I ask you again, each one of you, if you died today, what would your legacy be? I'm not saying this to condemn you, but this is what the word is, uh, of God is for. It's to ex- We're supposed to expose our heart to it. If I died today, what would the memory of me be? A nice guy? There's so many nice guys out there. Imagine the word, a nice guy on your tombstone. That's not what I want on my tombstone. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. You don't see people naming their kids Jezebel or Sapphira. You don't see that. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool. I had to look that one up in the dictionary. How many people knew that before reading this? What the word prat meant? Oh, very good. This man is wise. Is it? This man is wise. All right. Prat. Is it, is it sound like a Polish word or something? A Slavic word? No? Or see, you just knew the word prat. Awesome. It means like... <laughs> <laughs> it just means, you know, a pratting fool, a chattering fool, just babbling nonsense um, uh, type of deal. Is it Yiddish? Uh, no, I know because you're the only one who knew what it meant. Maybe it's a Yiddish word, prat or pratsky or something like that. There are 13 times in this chapter... Uh, speech of the wise and the foolish are contrasted. You talk about a theme throughout the book of Proverbs. That's it. You know, I find so often the reason I talk too much is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. You know, Jesus said, let your yes be yes, your no be no, but uh, yes, and I'll, I'll, I'll... hammer it home in a hundred different ways why it's yes or no and I'll hammer it home and and so many times it's, it, that's what it really boils down to it's a lack of faith 
Verse 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts or twists his ways he, uh, will, may, will become known. In other words, what you think you're doing in evil, will, uh, what you think you're doing in sequel, secret will become uh, known. He who winks with the eye causes trouble. That's someone who is uh, winking with the eye. He's, he's planning. He's deceptive. He's scheming. But a pratting fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Now this would be good on a tombstone, huh? The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. That your body, your presence was like a well of life to people. It's my prayer for you all. For all of us. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Is it in the New Testament, is it? The book of James, or no, it's First John. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's First Peter. Thank you, First Peter. Love covers a multitude of sins. How I pray that the body of Christ, that our church, would just see the stupidity of stirring up strife among the brethren. His love covers a multitude of sins. Remember last time we said there are six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination. What was the seven? The abomination? He who sows discord amongst the brethren. In the New Testament we read, if anyone is overtaken in sin, let those who are spiritual restore in a spirit of meekness. If someone is in error, deal with them in meekness, not with a judgmental spirit, not with a critical spirit, but in meekness. Think about how Jesus treated Peter when he restored Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Well, then, you know, go do a thousand push-ups or, you know, uh, whatever. No, that's not what he said. He said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Now, this is a tough one because many times we we see something in the body of Christ and we get just really, really frustrated. But we're really not, we're playing the Holy Spirit and we're not allowing the Lord to really deal with whatever it is we're, we're frustrated with. And we take it upon ourselves to, you know, criticize. And rather than just loving, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I was praying with, there was a um, a prayer group of pastors in the, in the area. And, and for a while it was being held at a church around here. And the church has a reputation for being sort of a, kind of an emergent church and seeker-friendly and uh, and this type of thing. And 
I just heard a lot about that, even experienced some of it uh, firsthand, to be honest with you. And I was like, you know, I really am not comfortable just praying at, at this at this church with a bunch of pastors. And, you know, I but I got convicted after not going to this prayer group. Well, I actually I should at least listen to this guy's sermon before I make that kind of judgment. And so if you ever want to like figure out if some where someone is doctrinally and you have access to their sermon material, go to Romans chapter one. <laughs> talks about the wrath of God, talks about homosexuality. You can't run away from it. And so, you know, I, I, I listened to this this guy and and I was anticipating because he was getting close to that verse on homosexuality and all of a sudden he starts talking about this he starts almost sort of warning the people that he's coming up to this very controversial controversial verse and frankly he 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 started sort of almost apologizing actually that's what he was doing for having to say what he's about to say and so he almost apologizes for 5 minutes but then he said it he said homosexuality is a sin then he went and apologized for saying that for about five minutes. But he said it. And I have to tell you, what you see more and more in this country are people just leaving the word of God and refusing to say it, and they're just rejecting it. Then he went on and, and, and basically affirmed the doctrine of hell. And I think he had some really good things to say about that. And, and, and you know something? Would I recommend someone go to this church? No. But... C- do I need to love him and meet with him and pray with him and leave it totally up to the Lord what the issues that appear to me to be evident in this guy's church? That's what I need to do. It's God's business, not my business. How am I going to help other than just sort of stirring up strife? Verse 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So, you know, look, the guy has his fundamentals down. I need to leave the rest of the issues to God. And I just need to love him. Need to love him. And, you know, that's, that, that, that's hard because our, our flesh so bad wants to stir up the strife. Verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Oftentimes you'll wind up in jail because of a lack of wisdom. Verse 14, wise people store up knowledge. They devour it. The mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Now here's a here's, here's worldly wisdom uh, overlapping with just a truth that is in God's word here. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. That's a very real thing in the world. It's a very sad thing, and it's a tragic thing. And sadly, without Christ, I feel sorry for you because this is your lot. You're competing against the rich man who has such an advantage over you. And if you're poor, your poverty is going to be your own destruction. That's the world. That's the cold reality of the world. It's just a fact. 
apart from Christ. Our wealth is not our strong city if we have wealth. Our wealth is the Word of God, our relationship with Christ. That's our fortress. God is a fortress. He's a strong tire, a tower. We will get to that proverb later. Verse 16, the labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. He who keeps instruction in the, is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips. Just speaking to hypocrisy here. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And by the way, we only have we don't have a prayer of restraining our lips unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to go to the Lord every single day. Verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools lie. I mean, rather, fools die for lack of wisdom. Verse 22, I like this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Oh, how the realization when I came to the Lord that I was rich and yet I was poor. In terms of material. It says he adds no sorrow with it. You know this is um, a wonderful thing. It says he adds no sorrow with it. Meaning so many times when someone in the world becomes rich. It just adds sorrow to it. But I find it really interesting. When I meet a wealthy person. Who's also a godly person. No sorrow has been added to their wealth. It's a wonderful thing. They can actually enjoy what the Lord has given them. Part of enjoying it, by the way, is giving it back in large quantities. But, but there's no sorrow added to it. Verse 23, to do evil is like sport to a fool. And I look at this, and this is what my life was before Christ. I mean, it was like sport going out on Friday nights, figuring out how to do evil. It's just, just seeking out evil and figuring out, you know, what evil thing can we do this weekend? Verse 25, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. I found it amazing when the uh, 9-11 happened, that, uh, which, wasn't, which was a tiny little whirlwind, how so many people were just um, crumpling up people who, who who did not have the Lord were just crumpling up into... I actually had a friend who committed suicide. Just uh, It was a whirlwind. It was a, it was a trial. Not, frankly, a very big one, but people, the psychiatrist's offices were like packed full. And, you know, the depression in the 30s, you probably are aware of how many people committed suicide. Verse 26 has vinegar to the teeth. Has anyone ever taken a glass of vinegar to get rid of hiccups? Anyone? No one has ever done that. It's pretty bad, right? It's like smoke to your teeth, isn't it? I mean, it's like awful. It's especially bad when it doesn't even work. Your hiccups, you know, after drinking a whole glass of vinegar, you got to be kidding me. 
So is a lazy man to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. We've talked about that. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And we've already read a verse just like this. The hopes of the wicked will all perish right when they die. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. And that is just so true. There's just... There's a, it's a wonderful feeling when you know you're walking with the Lord because there's a strength, there's a power in it. Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not in, in, inhabit the earth. You know, uh, the righteous will never be removed, it says. And I look at the church, which has lasted since the year 33 A.D., and the kingdoms that have just fallen and risen up and fallen and risen up and fallen and risen up. And, and, and this is why it's so foolish to put your heart and soul into politics. It's, so fo- it's all going to perish. If Jesus tarries in 300 years, who knows? The United States of America may be five countries. But let me tell you, the church will still be thriving somewhere in the world. Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed. Please, Jesus, you've got to come before 200 years. I mean, come on. Please come by the end of this year. That's what we want. That's our hope. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. So a lot of Proverbs about the subject of the words that come out of our mouth. And... Really, we can only restrain our lips. And, you know, if you're talking about restraining our lips, even a different level is verse 20. It says, uh, the, the, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The only way you'll ever have a silver tongue is by being in the Word of God, abiding in Christ, abiding with the Lord. That's my daughter Faith's memory verse for tonight. Abiding with Christ only way we'll ever be able to restrain our lips.